0: you start with history there's a, a long history and culture in producing wine in Portugal. So there's this richness of tradition that it's something that is, has been passed down from generation to generation and like in our local villages people still make their own little pot like the pots behind me of wine at home. you know there's that wine is interwoven in culture to a large extent, Um, and I think that's quite, quite special. Olá e bem-vindo! Welcome to The Simple Life, an insider's perspective into Portugal. We already know about Portugal's amazing weather, food and people. In this podcast we go deeper and meet the real people who make this country so wonderful. Dylan, who has made his life in Portugal, shares an insider's perspective into what makes Portugal the unique, beautiful and amazing country that it is. Join him and his guests every week as they shed some light on the incredible people, culture, history and lifestyle that makes Portugal so appealing. A country where everyone feels like they belong. This podcast is sponsored by Portugal Realty. Welcome to the Simple Life.
1: On this week's episode, I'm joined by Anna Jorgensen. Anna is born right here in Portugal to an American mother and a Danish father. She's traveled all over the world before coming home to run the family vineyard as managing director of Courts de Sima. And this is her story. Welcome back or welcome to another episode of Portugal, The Simple Life. I'm delighted to be joined here by Anna Jorgensen. Anna, thank you for joining us and how are you?
0: Thank you. Yeah, lovely to be here. Um, very, very well. Thank you. How are you?
1: I'm great. Wonderful. Thank you. Spring is in the air. We were just talking earlier about the the the, the, the blossoms are blossoming and the nature is coming back alive and it's a, it's a great time to be outside.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely, it's uh, such an exciting time of the year um, in the vineyards. It's where you know it's the start of a new of a new season, um, and it's the countdown to harvest, which is also the other very exciting time of year here. So we have a lot of lot of expectations um, and a lot of work. <laughs>
1: Excellent. Um, the background might give our 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 listeners or our watchers a clue as to as to what this episode may be about and who you are. But why don't you just start off by telling us a little bit about you?
0: Sure. Um, so my name is Anna Jurgensen. Um I am I am um, the second generation um, working at Sima which is a uh, family winery um, located in Alentejo in the South of Portugal. So um, I, uh, I was born in Portugal um, in, um, and I grew up here in, um, in Alentejo, locally in Vidigaida, um small, small town. Um, but my parents are not from here. So um, my mom's um, Californian and my father's Danish. And, um and they met in Malaysia of, of all places and um, wow. and they ended up in Portugal in 88 when they then bought this farm and started a, a project their life project which was um, Gorchima, turning it into a vineyard and a winery and so I I grew up here with that um, together with my brother and it's been my life since since I was little um and so I grew up I, I lived 14 years here in, in Olentejo and then I, uh, then I took off um, and um, went to, to high school in, in Denmark and then um, went to university in Australia where I studied viticulture and then in the meanwhile I, um, I did harvest um, around the world, worked at different wineries um, in Australia, New Zealand, California, um, uh, France as well, um, before coming back to Portugal to um, to join and take over the the management of um, of the winery a couple of years ago. So that's that's in a nutshell. <laughs> okay,
1: we're gonna we're gonna dive into mm-hmm. a couple of those things. So so that's good. Um, say the name of the wine farm really slowly for our international listeners listeners so that we can so that because you're. You say Alentejo and Cortesima like a real Portuguese, but that's because you, you kind of are, you know, so yep. I mean, sure. so you have the same problem that I have. We don't look Portuguese, but we are. <laughs> uh, so it's uh, it's fun. But uh, say the name of the wine farmer a bit slower so people can, can know what that is.
0: So it's Cortes de Sima. Okay. But we often say, when we speak it, we speak quite quick, so we say Cortesima, so you kind of don't actually pronounce the d even though
1: it's there. Okay, so it's C O R T E S D E C I M A.
0: That's it. Yeah.
1: And it's a delicious 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 well, you have a number of delicious wines which we can talk about at some stage. Mm-hmm. Um tell us about your Teja. So you've I mean I know you you were born there. Um you've traveled since sort of going back to Denmark and going around the world but but um, our, our listeners love to hear about our, our guests' terra, their land. So, what would you consider your terra? And, and tell us a bit more about that that place.
0: Yeah, I would say that my terra is uh, Um So, it's um, a small um, town um, between Beja and um, Evora, they're kind of the, the bigger um, cities. Um, around here, and yeah, it's, it's a place. There's about I think 3,000 people um, living there, and uh, pretty pretty rural, um, as as the interior of Alentejo is, um, which is where we are. We're kind of closer to to the Spanish border. It's about a 40-minute drive uh, from here. The coast is about two hours, so kind of have that for perspective. But it's quite, in a way, it's quite. Uh, nicely located in the way you're about two hours from everywhere. You're two hours from Lisbon, two hours from the coast, two hours from the Algarve. Um, it's not, not too bad. You can do a, a day trip. It's not too bad. Um, and, um, and yeah, it's um, actually, it, it's uh, famous in a way, I don't know if you could say that, um, because Vasco de Gama, who was the, okay. the Portuguese explorer, um, who, who found the first maritime way to, to India uh, during the discoveries. Uh, when he came back to Portugal, uh, the king uh, gave him Vidigera. As, uh, so he became the count of Vidigera to, as, ah. um, as a reward. And so he has a castle or he had a castle there. And it's, um, it's where he spent his um, time after coming back from his uh, sea
1: there. Wow! So after spending so much time in the ocean, he went like way inland, <laughs> as far away yeah. from the ocean as what as he could get without going into Spain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow! I didn't know that. That's amazing. Is the castle still there? It is. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I need to. Mm-hmm. I need to look. I've got a thing for castles, so I, I have to. Before I die, visit every castle in Portugal. So I'll have to. I'm okay, um, well, to make list. a plan. <laughs> yeah. It's there's so many. There's so many. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the Alentejo is is a is a special place. It's a it's a um, it's an area of Portugal that's come up many many times on the podcast. Everybody seems to be connected to the Alentejo somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you love about the Alentejo?
0: Yeah, um, it's a it's a good question. It's hard to pinpoint, really. I mean, Alentejo for for those who who know it and for those who don't is is, is vast. Um, it's the biggest um, region in Portugal, so it goes all the way from north of Lisbon um, to the Algarve and borders both Spain and has quite a beautiful large coast. A lot of people don't realize that, mm. um, where we also have vineyards, by the way. <laughs> and um, and I guess what I love about Alentejo de Vos is that it's, um, it's almost like you're going back in time a bit to a... Uh, uh, you know, a time where there's less um, rush, there's less stress, uh, more where, where, this, where, you know, things take time and that's okay. Um, and, um, and, and the beauty as well of, of the countryside uh, is, is um, second to none in, the, in, in a lot of places.
1: Yeah, you always hear about the sunsets on the ocean on the Western coast, mm-hmm. but Alentejo sunsets for me are magnificent. They remind me a little bit of Africa, uh, mm-hmm. because, you know, just the, the sun setting behind the plains. It's, uh, it's stunning. Um, do you know about the joke that, that they have in Portugal about how even the, the, the water moves slower in the Alentejo? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. No, it's always, it's always the, the joke is always with the alentejo for sure and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's always about something about being slow
1: <laughs> yeah amazing um i love the alentejo I, ca- I can't go there in the summer because it's too hot for me but uh, sure. i think mm-hmm. it's such a beautiful a beautiful yeah. area and we're planning a trip okay. we're planning a trip to somewhere in alentejo soon mm-hmm. as we can we can uh, get away but um
0: but the coast is okay in summer
1: yeah 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 that's true. If I mean, you mentioned that you're you you're two hours away from everything. Um, mm-hmm. Where would you Where would you go? What would be your first choice to go somewhere uh, that's two hours away? One of those places you mentioned, and, and why would you go there? For a quick well, visit. Well,
0: um, I I live um, here at at and um, on the farm um but i do have a, an apartment in lisbon okay. so um it, it, while most people or a lot of people live in the city and they might have uh, or they like to get away in the country during the weekends to get away um i'm the opposite <laughs> i live i live in the country and then i like to get away to the city on on weekends to get some fresh air <laughs> or a change of scenery so that's probably my my most common escape
1: Your city break, city break, city break destination.
0: Yeah.
1: It's a good city. I like,
0: I like Mm -hmm. Lisbon a lot.
1: It's a great city.
0: Yeah, me too.
1: Anna, you mentioned that um, your mom is Californian your dad's Danish. They met in Malaysia. They ended up in Portugal and had their children in Portugal. It's an amazing mixture and combination of things. Um, but maybe tell us a little bit more about about that story and 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 leading into sort of how the wine farm started and and I know there's a story about the grape varieties as well that they that they weren't allowed to 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 plant mm-hmm. a certain grape and they just went ahead and did it anyway. Um, what is uh, give us a little bit of the history of the the farm?
0: Sure. Yeah. So my um, well, I'll just start from the beginning. Um, my my father um, he moved to Malaysia quite um, quite early in his career uh, in his life um, he's about 20 something um, and he um, he's an engineer a mechanical engineer so he was working at a um, at an oil um, plant and plantation um, in the middle of the jungle and uh, my mother uh, from California the Bay Area. Uh, she, her father or stepfather at the time was um, a commodity broker. And so he was also a broker in oil, um, palm oil in this case. And, um, and so she joined him on one of his trips at one point where they uh, had a dinner with uh, some of the engineers from the, <laughs> the, the, the plant. And, um, and they, yeah, they met and she decided to move her life to um to Malaysia at the time. And she was um, studying at Berkeley and in California. And she decided to just kind of drop everything and, and go on, join this. this Left Danish Berkeley? And, uh, yeah.
1: Oh my goodness. You don't leave Berkeley. I mean, that's kind no, of prestigious. What her, what,
0: that's what her parents said. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. But she wow. went Rebels. for it. Yeah. And, um, and they lived in Malaysia together for six years. Um, and so they decided that 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 wasn't where they wanted to, I guess establish a family and and so on. So then they decided to leave. Uh, my dad retired early and um, they they went back to Europe, but they weren't quite sure where they would should go, um, what they should do. Um, so they bought a sailboat uh, as you do and um, and they started sailing around Europe so. They they sailed around Europe for, for two years, um, like a two a two person schooner called Blagazelle, um, and um, and they went from from the fjords in Norway um, down um, to the the Bay of Biscay and um, and and as they were making their way, um, their their objective was actually to get into the Mediterranean by the end, but once they reached Portugal, uh, they uh, they somehow uh, never went further. Um, and so they, I think they docked in Sessimbra, um at the time. And um, and at the time, it, this is 88, and there was actually a lot of, um, in Alente, it was after the revolution, um, 75 revolution. And at the time, there was actually quite a lot of um, Dutch and Danish farmers um, in Alenteja that were farming. Um, Cows, cereal, that kind of thing. Um and so they, they found some connections, some other Danish people, and actually the, the purse the people that they bought um Korshima from were, were Danish oh, by chance. Wow. By okay. um, so um so they found this this kind of um community and they and that and so that's how they ended up in uh the middle of Alentejo, um, from from a, a sailboat. <laughs> And they found this place, which is the place behind me. Um, And and at the time, it was, it's it's quite a big farm. It's 375 hectares. So it's the size of Central Park for um, perspective. Um, But at the the time, um, it was just um, a very simple farm. There was cereal, mostly, um, some olives. And, um, and and two kind of um, very uh, basic traditional buildings. There was no electricity. Uh, there was no running water. The the toilet was outside. <laughs> and um, and they did they decided that they should live there um, full time pretty much, uh, which isn't like that that normal. And even today, um, if you look at most. Um, Wineries in the who The owners don't normally live there. They'd live in Lisbon. or live somewhere mm-hmm. else. But but my parents decided that they were gonna. That was really gonna be their their life project, and they're gonna live there. And so they started doing stuff. They started building. They they started um, kind of um, starting to 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 do different kinds of agriculture, um, and building up the farm and so on. And so they started with um, cereals and. Then they moved into um, uh, dried tomatoes and, and melons for a while. So they were producing um, melons before the, the big supermarkets came up. Um, and so we would have like um, this uh, uh, down our driveway, there would be this lineup of, of, of trucks every morning to come and get their melons because this was before the, the supermarkets started. And my mom was was dubbed the melon queen because she would go go to the the melon fairs or to the the fairs with with you know babies in arm and whatnot uh, my brother and I and um and then the supermarkets came, and that wasn't interesting anymore to to buy these gallia melons because they would last so long on the on the shelves and so on so then then they moved on to the dried tomatoes, um, so we were farming tomatoes and they would make these little gourmet uh two hundred gram packets and sell it to to the Nordic markets. And that, that went went quite well. But then you know this this thing about wine uh, kind of came into the picture um, as they decided to to plant their first vineyards um, in ninety one and um, and their first harvest in, in ninety six. Um, and um, and from there on, you know, the wines just it's it it grew organically little by little and um and we also of course we also have olive oil we have 40 hectares of olives wow. um but until and, and so, so we are today and and and, in, and now in 2021 we're going to complete our 25th harvest um 25th so
1: yeah wow congratulations wonderful yeah <laughs> amazing amazing yeah i mean the, the way that um that uh that i found you uh that sounds weird but the way that i was i was watching i was actually in the alentejo last year and we were visiting the delta coffee facilities and we happened to be just one of the evenings after getting back to the hotel and everything my wife and i were watching some tv and i saw the story about your family um and and i thought wow this is such a fascinating story i need to i need to get in touch with with Anna, um, what do you remember about, about those times and, and growing up on the farm and, and, and how your childhood was?
0: Hmm. Well, I, I was born in '93, in um, so I'm, I'm 27. Um, and so I kind of uh, I don't remember so much from the, the pre-wine uh, days. But my, my memories are more from, like, the, all the, the activity and the excitement around the harvest and, and, and that, that side. And, and we would always, um, in the beginning, we would always get a, a, bin, a winemaker in from, uh, often from Australia or from New Zealand okay. or um, sometimes South Africa. Uh, and it would always be very exciting to have these different people here uh, and, and i remember you know there's always always something going on and those are kind of probably my my most um my fondest memories are are around that the harvest time
1: amazing and um i mean just tell us a little bit about your story and and why you why you decided to i know i i mean literally a seed was planted i suppose uh, when you mm-hmm. were very very young but um, why did you decide to, to get into, into this business and, and, uh, and sort of follow the family tradition?
0: Yeah, um, well, yeah, as you say, I definitely grew up with it. And I think that that certainly influenced me. Although, um, if you ask the, the um, should I say, um, 16-year-old me, whether this was what I wanted to do. I would have told you no straight away. <laughs> so um, it it just happened that after, well, as I as I said, I, I grew up here. I lived here 14 years. So I went to both me and my brother. We went to, to local schools um, until until ninth grade. So first in Viriguera and then in Bringel. and we were like the only blonde kids uh, around. <laughs> Um, and then we went to, to high school in in Denmark. Um, and then after high school, um, I decided I, it's quite normal in Denmark to to take a gap year. It's not so normal in Portugal, but I suppose in uh, in quite a few countries it is. And um, and and both my brother and I uh, we did um, a harvest at home um, in our gap year. So that was my my first real harvest. And I thought you know. It's okay. It's not too bad. Um, <laughs> and um, and then uh, we have a good a good family friend um, who is also a winemaker close to here. Um, who's um, the winemaker at Chudon. Um His name's David Baverstock. He's a, an Australian, and he's always been a, a good family friend. We we play tennis uh, together quite regularly. Um, and he suggested, why don't I go do a harvest in Australia? Um, afterwards and you know I thought well that's great then I can travel and you know I wasn't even that interested in the wine thing so much it was more the fact you know of of traveling and seeing the world and getting as far away as possible um, and so and that's and I did that and that was in, in the Barossa Valley at a winery called um, St. Hallets. it's quite classic um, and I had just such a great time and that's when you know it's kind of like those accumulative experiences that I just okay realized that there's just something so special about the wine world there's such um, often such passion um, um, by the people who, who work in, in the industry um, and this like shared um, yeah this shared common passion for wine and uh, it's almost uh, turns into being also a lifestyle and not just work um, and so then I, um, I, I kind of went down the, the wine rabbit hole and I haven't haven't looked back ever since. Um, so I, I then went, came back to Europe and, and did a, a harvest in, in Burgundy that, that same year. And um, and then I decided to to enroll in um, viticulture and oenology back in in Australia and in, in South Australia in Adelaide, um, which used to be Roseworthy University. Um, and I I studied there for four years. Um, and then I I worked. Um, a few harvests in, in Australia and various places, the Hunter Valley and McLaren Vale, Barossa. Um, And, um, and then I, I decided I wanted to, you know, another thing that I loved about wine is that you can travel with it. Like it's this great thing where you can gain experience and you can travel and, you know, and it looks good on your CV and (laughs) the whole lot. and it's a lot of fun, um, meet new people and, and so on. And um, so then I went to, to New Zealand, to central Otago. Um, beautiful, beautiful place. Uh, great Pinot Noirs um, at a winery called Mount Difficulty. And then I came, um, I came to, back to Europe and I did um, a harvest in, in, by chance in, in France in Cote Rousie, which is um, the home of, of Syrah. Uh, which has been a special connection with, uh, with Gottszima, because um, we have, Syrah is very much part of our, our story and we can get into that as well um, later. Um, And so that, um, I had that, that experience there, which was great. Um, And then I went, um, well, yeah, And then I actually stayed a year, a year there at that winery in, in that area. And I really, got quite immersed into into that culture there, that more traditional winemaking compared to, to the New World, uh, which is a really, really fun contrast as well. Very interesting. And then I went to California, to, to Sonoma, uh, Russian River and, and Napa, and did a, was there for working for six months at a winery there called Dumont. And then um, in 2019, um, my parents suggested that I should maybe come back to <laughs> and um, come back to Portugal, and and so I did. Um, and I've now taken over as um, general manager and, and head of viticulture and, and enology um, here, and um, pretty pretty excited about what what we're doing and about our um, about our, our future future prog- prog- projects, and, and very exciting to be able to also. Um, uh continue the heritage that that my parents um created and 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 bring that work further into into the future.
1: Awesome. I mean was was there in all those years that you that you that you moved around and studied I know maybe not asking 16 year old Anna this question but Anna today was there anything that you missed? Um, about Portugal in those in those times that, that that brought you back.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, my um, my di- my direct family um, uh, is um, lives here. So, so my parents um, and and friends as well, of course. Um, But I suppose like especially living in in Australia, I mean, I I loved Australia and I think there's similarities between Portugal and Australia. Um, you know, very friendly people, very open, um, nice weather. (laughs) Um, But um, it's just that it was just so far away from everything. And uh, it's uh, a 24 hour flight to get anywhere or (laughs) to get most places. And um, it's a little bit of, um, in a way, a, a sameness um, versus, um, and, that, and I missed um, that part from that you get in Portugal, you're kind of, in, in a way you're in the center of the world because very easily you can fly, Get well, not right now during COVID, but, um, but soon, soon again, surely you can, it's so easy to, to get um, anywhere whether you go to, to the US or if you go to Europe or even Africa um, it's, it's very central and and the and, and then you get this diversity this diversity of cultures even within Portugal there's a lot of diversity as you move up and down the country so I think that that deeper culture is kind of um, was was missing for me
1: yeah I mean well speaking of diversity um... I had a I had a guy on the on the podcast who, who he he does a a program called the Wine Show. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you've if you've seen it. They've screened yeah. it in Portugal recently, and and he spoke about how phenomenal is the variety of grapes in such a small. Um, country and and um and i mean maybe as as being involved so deeply in the wine industry why is portugal such a great wine region what makes it so so special when you compare it to these other countries that are much bigger um what makes portugal so so interesting
0: Mm -hmm. yeah i think that's that's a great question um for me um portugal is is a very interesting from a, a wine producing point of view for, for various regions, reasons, um, history. You can start with history. There's a, a long history and culture in producing wine in Portugal. So there's this richness of tradition that it's something that is, has been passed down from generation to generation. And like in our local villages, people still make their own little pot, like the pots behind me. Of wine at home, you know, there's that wine is interwoven in culture to a large extent. Um, and I think that's quite, quite special. Um, then there's, um, as you mentioned, the, the diversity of, um, of varieties. We have about, I think it's 250 indigenous varieties, um, which is the second um, most varieties in the country after Italy.
1: Okay. Hold on. So, so Portugal's got the second most grape varieties in the mm-hmm. world.
0: If I'm not, if I'm not wrong, mistaken. Okay. Yeah. But it's up
1: there. I mean, yeah. that's, that's incredible. I did not yeah.
0: know was that, it's I mean, I knew century. that we had a
1: lot of, yeah, I didn't know we had a, 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 I knew we had a lot of varieties. I didn't know it was one mm-hmm. of them for such a small, small
0: yeah, place. It's, it's amazing really the richness of um, that, that genetic diversity, um, and 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 on top of that, we have such diverse terroir as well within the country. So this this tiny country has so many different climates and soil types um, that you have such distinctive regions like the Dinhos Verdes, um, Alentejo, Douro, Odão, Bairrada, Lisboa, You know, you can anything like under the under the moon, pretty much, and. And there's, so there's really, that I think uh, aligned with this diversity of varieties and, and, and a lot of times there's varieties that are specific to those regions, um, native those regions, you have such a uh, interesting and unique uh, palette of, of options um, to explore. And I think that the third thing then that, that's interesting is exactly that, that, that it's kind of still out there to be explored. Like not everything hasn't been done yet in that sense, and so for for someone like me, that's that's very exciting uh, because there's a lot of I I feel like there is still a lot of untapped potential and um, and and the world in a way has yet to know about Portugal too. So there's you know there's a lot, there's a lot there I think we can we can work with.
1: I mean, do you kind of like the the fact that we're still a little bit of a secret uh, and a little bit undiscovered? I kind of like that a little bit as well. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, for sure. It's uh, it's still uh, something that not everyone has heard of, um, and and I suppose it's it, it, it's good and bad, you know. From uh, as as a wine producer, it can be difficult sometimes to um, to. Ex- to export your wines to, to certain um, countries because there's still a lot of work to be done in terms of explaining and educating about Portuguese wine. Because people, it's not like French wine or Italian wine, which is, I guess, more natural to some people, even Spanish wine. Um, but at the same time, you have that unique character. You have the character, um, that element of, of intrigue, uh, which. Uh, in the long run is probably um, more interesting.
1: Okay, so my my wife's favorite grape variety is cedar. Uh she anytime that we go anywhere and we see, okay, it's got Cedar on the bottle, she's like, let's buy it. Um but uh, you guys have got a really interesting story about the the Cedar grape mm-hmm. variety and maybe you can just share a little bit about that. It uh, ties in nicely with, with all the different grape yeah. varieties as well but but go ahead. Mm-hmm. I know it's not the only wine that you have but um, but no, tell us a little bit about a, that.
0: It's an iconic one um, and I just give me a second because I, I need to get a prop for this. So the, the Syrah story um, starts um, in 1991 um, when my parents were planting their first vineyards um, and they were looking at what varieties to to plant. And so they planted what people normally were planting in the region, which is Aragonese, which is um, Tempranillo in Spain. Uh, Deira, which is more of a local variety here. Um, Periquita, which is Castlau. Um, and something that was not so normal <laughs> uh, at the time, which was Syrah. Uh, and Syrah... Um, is, uh, of co- is from the Rhone Valley in France. Um, and my parents, when they chose this variety, they were looking at, you know, they're, they're not from here. Um, and when they came, they, so they weren't, um, when you're not from a place, and you're not necessarily from a wine background, which they weren't, you're, um, obviously you don't have the experience, but at the same time, you don't have all these preconceptions. So you're much more open to doing things and trying different things perhaps. And so they decided, well, you know, Syrah works really well in, in Australia. Syrah um, works really well in um, parts of the U.S. as well. Um, our climate is uh, similar to a lot of those places and, you know, the Southern Rhone as well. Um, so why not? You know, let's uh, let's try it out. And it's it's in- interesting because um, for those who know Vidigeira and, and this wine region, it's known traditionally for white wine and white grape varieties. And in particular, one variety that's called Antong Vash. And and so this, um, so when people heard that these uh, foreigners were uh, planting um, red varieties in a white variety area, it was already, you know, pretty, pretty bizarre. And (laughs) Taboo. Not everyone, yeah, not everyone was, that was so impressed. Um, <laughs> and then on top of that, they, uh, they decided to plant um, a variety that wasn't um, legal. And, and by, say, yeah. by saying that, which is TRAC. So by saying that it's not legal, it's that it's not accepted in the um, AOC, the, the DOC, which is the, the body that controls and, and um, uh, regulates um, the wine production in, in the area, every region has their own. And they also stipulate what varieties you can and cannot have to make an Alentazian or Alentaziano wine. Okay. So they planted Syrah and in 98, um, they um, they had their first wine. Because when you plant a vineyard, normally it takes about five years or so until you're producing um, and your grapes are mature enough to, to, to make your first wine. Um, so they had this wine in, in 98 and they didn't really know what to do with it. <laughs> um, but, um, they, it was also a time when some pretty renowned, uh, wine critics were, were um, getting interested in, in, Portugal for, for kind of the first time. Um, amongst them, Jensis Robinson from the UK and, um, Oz Clark at the time. Um, they're quite renowned um, UK uh, wine journalists. And, um, and they tried the wine and they, they really pushed kind of my parents to, to bottle it, even though it was complicated to do so, because they thought, no, this is the, you've got something really special here. So, so you, need to, you need to show it to the world, essentially. And so I think it must have been, you know, one night with uh, with a lot of bottles and a lot of good ideas thrown around the table that they came up with the name Incognito. And this is because they couldn't call the wine Syrah because Syrah wasn't allowed. Wasn't allowed. So just change the name. <laughs> yeah. So therefore, um, comes Incognito. Let's see if it works kind of. So this yeah, is we the can wine. See That's good. great. Okay and um and then so people actually knew what they were drinking they snuck in this um acronym on the back which you can read backwards here which says select
1: fruit from young wines well ripened and hand harvested yeah
0: yeah and then it has a bob dylan quote on the back that reads to live outside the law you must be honest And so they sent this in for approval, and they, I think, they shrunk these letters here at the time, and then they made them a little bit bigger afterwards, and um, and their incognito was born in in 1998,
1: and it was approved.
0: Uh, it was approved because they didn't know it was Syrah, <laughs> um, so it really was a illegal wine um, at the time, um, but luckily it got you know. Um, a lot of um, good um, acclaim, uh, both internationally and nationally, and it, it quickly became kind of a phenomenon at the time and um, and gained maturity gain and, uh, and 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 a few years later, siraf um, was approved as as a variety in um, in Alentejo. And I also have and uh, and in, in the meantime, before it was approved, uh, my parents at the time um, received a fax. Uh, from the the, the the office of the the prime minister um, at the time, um, ordering a case of the uh, of the illegal wine. <laughs> oh,
1: do you guys have, still have that fax?
0: I think so. Yeah. To, okay, we to need to explain to people
1: what we need to explain to some of our younger listeners. Listeners, what a fax is. <laughs>
0: mm. <laughs> yeah, probably to me too. <laughs> Yeah, it's an it's a old school.
1: I, I still remember the first fax, sending my first ever fax. It was amazing. Uh, that's such an incredible story. So we've got these rebels uh, who ditched Berkeley, ran around the world on a boat, came to Portugal, planted illegal grapes, managed to somehow get it uh, approved for wine. Incredible. Amazing story.
0: And, um, and, yeah, just to finish that one off, um Syrah is now one of the fifth most planted varieties in the and 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 fifth part of most blended f-
1: fifth most blended
0: fifth fifth most uh, variety planted in. Oh, in planted. Alentejo. Okay. So it's really wow. I, in a in a way, you know, it's kind of really changed as well the 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 wine um, scene. Wow. And was quite an important uh, moment in a way.
1: Amazing, amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean. Yeah. I remember that watching that news story, going back to that news story about you and your family and seeing a picture of your dad wheeling you on a wheelbarrow through the the vineyards at the beginning. And, um, and thinking, I mean, for you thinking about sort of the journey you've been on the life that you have here, how, how do you, how grateful and and how do you feel about your parents' moving to to portugal and and starting a life here for you and 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 your and your brother
0: um yeah it's um i mean you know you're you, it's hard to um it's hard to really um i mean i don't really have a a point of comparison <laughs> but um i feel you know quite portuguese uh and quite um, quite connected um, to Portugal, and I'm really happy to to be back here again. And this is where kind of I where I, I ended up back again. Um, I so and and I I, I cherish uh, a lot of those those memories that I have as well, and I I hope to to make many more. <laughs>
1: what are you What are you excited about coming up for the for the for the wine farm, for you for for the future?
0: Yeah, um so we're well essentially, um, we're going through a a generation shift uh, where I've taken over the the management. and and with that, um, you know i've 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 taken with me from my time away from here and and doing other things lots of ideas that I that I want to try out and, 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 and do. Um, and I think one of our most uh, something I feel the strongest about, um, and the most exciting things is um, that we're converting the whole vineyard area to to organic farming, um, the whole well, the whole farm, actually, so also also the olives, um, and really want to push the envelope for sustainable farming and and just uh well, sustainable business uh as a whole um because i believe that strongly that that's that's the future um and especially in in a, in a region like alentejo which has you know which is, has a lot of natural uh, beauty and is one of those places where you know it makes sense to have organic farming as well from uh a point of view of um, it not being so humid so it's not that big of a problem with um, the vineyard management and, and so on um, and um, and another another thing that um, we are going to try and explore more in the future is um, the indigenous grape varieties we were talking about the, this richness of um, of grape varieties that, that exist in Portugal and in the different regions. So our region has a number of kind of mysterious unknown grape varieties in it too, um, that aren't that have kind of almost been forgotten as wow. we've kind of focused on some of the main grape varieties. And so while I we cherish and um and, and will continue our, our C Raw heritage as part of our story, the next Chapter is going to be about um, exploring these, um, for you know, trying to understand the the old vineyards and um, and 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 exploring uh, what what they what they contain. So um, that's that's quite exciting. Um, and 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 to to expand on that, we've actually. Um, been trying to to um, discover old vineyards in, in the area that are over a hundred years old and um, and taking um, cuttings from them and to propagate them in our own vineyards so trying to plant the old vineyard of the future so in the same more traditional way and you find like varieties that you'd never nobody has almost ever heard of before, like Uva alGda and Uva and, and and things like that. I think that's that's very exciting.
1: Amazing. So watch the space. It's going to be, it's going to be interesting. Mm. Good stuff. For sure. And uh, um, what is one, one thing, just one thing that you want people to to remember and take away from this conversation?
0: Um, if you haven't been to Elaine yet, I would, I uh, would, uh, suggest, highly recommend um, that you do so when um, when things open up again because it's uh, a beautiful part of the world um, and um, and I think uh, it has a lot a lot to offer and, and it's probably quite underrated and, and unknown. So that's my uh, my tip. Is, <laughs> and the best wine is And drink some Alentejo wine while you're at it. <laughs>
1: Well, that's going to be my, well, it's going to be my next question. Is it the best wine region in Portugal?
0: Well, that's, you know, I, I might be a little bit biased. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't, I mean, I think I can't say that it's the best, um, but it's that it's unique and, and amongst the best it is. Um, but then I, I think it depends a little bit on your personal taste and, and so on. And I think, uh I don't, I don't have a, a favorite region. I just think they're all interesting in their own way and, and diversity is also the spice of life.
1: Good stuff. Um, how can listeners find you and follow you online and keep up to date with what you're, what you're doing with the, with the brand?
0: Yeah, um, well, we, uh, we try to be quite um, active on our social media. So the Gortusseema Instagram page. Um, is kind of the, the best place to to keep up with what we're doing in the vineyards in the winery um, so I definitely encourage you to check check that out we're also on Facebook with the same pretty much the same content um, so that's that's the place to go
1: okay we'll put links in the in the show notes so that people can can be kept up to date and order some some wine as well why not
0: yeah <laughs> okay, good start. for sure
1: Anna, um, a question that we ask all of our guests, Portugal, the simple life, why?
0: Um, Well, I'll try and and interpret that. Um, I think um, a little bit like I was talking about Alentejo, is that things are a little bit like they were, like you're going back in time a little bit. And, And maybe Portugal is like that uh in a way as a as a whole um things are life is is just maybe a little bit more relaxed a little bit more laid back um and that's um and you can enjoy the the simple things in life
1: awesome thank you so much i've loved this conversation um good luck with everything going forward it sounds like you you guys are going to do some amazing amazing things there Um, And for now, I'm going to let you call it.
0: Thank you very much, Dylan. It's been a pleasure joining you on on your show. That's a wrap.
1: (laughs) So thank you once again to Anna, and thank you to all of you for listening. Please subscribe, share with your friends, give us a thumbs up, and please leave a comment or a review. We'd love to hear from you. And as we say in Portugal, Anossa. Welcome to The Simple Life.